Welcome to the Live Lightly Podcast. Awareness to integration to elevation. Sue and Dan open intimate and complex spaces together, discussing integration from physical, emotional, and spiritual levels. Expect conversations that are honest, expansive, and solution-oriented. Everything from consciousness design to biohacking to socio-political deep dives. Creative works and building a new paradigm in relationship through daily choices. Check out the show notes for more info about Sue and Dan, plus our guests. Welcome to this week's Live Lightly podcast. Today we are chatting all things creativity. Creativity, astrology, Mercurian meta. Mercurian meta, what is that? Yeah, it's the weekend workshop that we're doing with Live Lightly. So we're going to get into that a little bit during this hour. Awesome. So before we dig into that, let's uh, let's just chat about creativity, broad strokes. Definitely. Like, what, what does that mean to you? You know, you just authored a book that's a hugely creative process. You know, talk about that. Mm-hmm. So I talk about this in chapter uh, four, Pranic Economy that we really see creativity using air quotes there as this arm of dominator capitalism nowadays, where we can't really separate our idea of imagination through creating something that has benefit out in the world or makes profit for us or grows um, income or you have a public platform or da 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 Right. So really seeing the sort of bastardization of pure creativity that it has to be for monetary gain. And that's something I really wanted to cover early on in the book so that later on in the book, when our field is much more clear and we're much more at home in our own home frequency, that we really understand what creativity means, that it's not replication, it's not duplication, it's an attempt at creating newness and that has to come through your auric field and your auric field alone, which we can dive into a little more. Yeah, let me, let me just play devil's advocate there. Um, so human civilization is like 6,000-ish years old. Are there truly new, authentic, creative ideas? And what I mean by that is, have, have we just exhausted the capacity of what humans can potentially generate in terms of newness? Mm, I think on one level of meta, yeah, I understand that argument. I think that if we're going to evolve our civilization, that replication is obviously not the answer. And we can see that through repeating history over and over and over again. And, you know, I think 2020 was a great example of that in our millennial lives to actually see historical currents that have already occurred playing out in a different context. I think what's key to understanding creativity is that it's not like this 100% new thing. It's that you're creating a solution in a different context. And that's really important to understand. Yeah, that's a good point. So how have you, through your years, sort of fleshed out this creative process that you can now hang your hat on? Well, I think the creative process shows us everything about how we're organized, who we are, and our faulty misperceptions about the world around us. So it's a very enlightening process that really takes many, many different levels of mind and different qualities of mind slash states of embodiment 
So again, that's 100% newness. You have to be open to a totally different current coming through the context of your perception. Hence, I need to change my perception to get more creative. Yeah. I mean, you hear so many people say just like, oh, I'm not a creative person. I'm not a creative person. I mean, is is there, you know, this this secret sauce that makes one person more creative versus someone else just doesn't have it in them? I I, I have a hard time believing that. I mean, I think that comment comes from like I would reframe that comment of, okay, well, then how do you define creativity and are you defining it inside the dominator lens of capitalism? And, and yeah, it's tough to be creative with business ideas or like new solutions. That sounds too vague almost. I'm talking about metaphysical solutions mm-hmm. to earth's issues and society's issues. Yeah. So if, what, what would you say to one of those people who just says, oh, I'm not creative? I mean, I'm not going to deny their truth. That's their truth that they're saying about themselves. So it's not for me to deny that in any capacity. I would certainly ask a question along the lines of, well, what other places are you using energy in your life that feel draining? Mm, Good question. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, you can never deny another person's reality of themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So how has, um, you know, in the last like, maybe six, seven years, it seems like you've gotten more involved and invested in exploring your own astrological signature and other people's, obviously, mm-hmm. and seeing, you know, the implications of someone's astro placements. Mm-hmm. Has that also played into your creative process as you've fleshed that out more? Yeah, definitely. It's given me a lot more intel on my innate tendencies, mm-hmm. which I think is very important because you have to run energy through your own structural context that you know you can't just reach out that's what replication comes from when you don't do that you reach outside you sort of take an idea or a thought or an image or some type of depiction out in the world and then you slightly make it yours right that's replication I'm reaching Mm -hmm. outside of the auric field to make something mine and that idea actually didn't come from my context so in order to have clean running creativity it's like okay well how do I see the world what's my point of view what are the ways that are unique about my astrological signature that give me access to putting things out in the world that no one's ever seen before mm-hmm. what uh what unique things in your astrological signature did you find well I have a Gemini midheaven at the top of my chart so it sort of is the massive ruler And it really is my purpose this time around, right? So connecting duality, hence the term breaking binaries, is right at the top of my chart. And, you know, that language obviously isn't in the chart. Mm -hmm. But the idea that my Gemini midheaven is one of the most dominant aspects of my grand cross, which is sort of like, okay, you've been hung. Now what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a big, big guiding force for me. Wow. So how long... And how much uh, sort of research and investigation did it take you to sort of have this understanding of astrology in regards to your own signature? I feel like that's a pretty rare skill, you know, and you see so many kind of platitudinal memes about astrology. And honestly, I think that's to the detriment of astrology being accepted as something um, broader. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do, you, what do you think about that? Yeah. 
Well, that's exactly what I'm doing this weekend with a small group of individuals. We're looking at our Virgo and Gemini placements and Mercurian meta. So the metaphysics of Mercury in our charts. Can you talk a little bit at all about what those implications of those placements and why those are the focus of this weekend? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we see Mercury as communication. I think we can see that on a much larger scale of even the way that my central nervous system is dealing with stimulus and then how much access to new, interesting, mind-blowing, pushing-the-envelope ideas do I have if my central nervous system is going haywire. Mm -hmm. And mercurial energy is what governs our central nervous system. And I think in the mainstream commercial space of astrology, we've seen a lot of emphasis on mercury retrograde. And during the three years of writing my book, I really, really used those periods effectively and turned down all the external stimulus and turned up the internal stimulus. So it's a little bit of my pushback, I think, at commercial astrology and saying, hey, I think there is some real benefit and real transformation in these periods. And that's also motivated by one of my main teachers, Paramatma Siri Sadhana. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the, you know, most... Uh widely used example, right? Mercury retrograde. Oh, Mercury must be in retrograde. I can't log into my email or yeah. I'm going to blame all my problems on Mercury like Dan's retrograde. barely on social media and he can quote a meme. <laughs> is, that, is that a meme on social media? <laughs> like tech problems during Mercury retrograde. Yeah. You know, that's, that's mm -hmm. kind of the, um, accepted thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but what you're saying is rather than just playing victim to Mercury retrograde, you figured out how to utilize that for your own creative process. More than utilize it, like plan the creative process around it. Interesting. Yeah. And you know, I, I was, I was there for your writing process for the, you know, a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe not to the extent of knowing these kind of nuanced details. Were there any other placements or astrological signatures that you sort of, um, entertained in your writing? Yes, of course. I mean, obviously my entire chart and that's very personal in chapter eight in the book, um, transitory nature, breaking binaries for integrated being the self will destiny binary karma dharma is where I lay out what's called the mukti code, which is the key placements to understanding what your the force, the pranic force, your deepest driving desire and how to express that in many different layers of community, be that personal, private community or at large. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's kind of, uh, figuring yourself out before you try to create these things and present them to the world. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, actually you just brought up chapter eight. Uh, I want to pull this email that you received, um, that I think is pretty cool. Yeah, super um, cool. Someone is uh, reading Transitory Nature right now, book by Sue Hunt, available on Amazon, Audible coming out soon. <laughs> and on her website. Um, but she's she's working through chapter eight now. And this, you know, it's, it's a workbook. It's not just a speed read kind of book. So she's working through chapter eight. And this is what she had to say. I've been doing the journal prompts that you have in chapter eight related, related to astral placements. So much amazing shit coming out and making so much sense. I freaking love it. I'm slowly continuing to gain more understanding, acceptance, and realizations of who I am with my astro study. Compassion for my deficits in certain areas and how to change those things is priceless. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You are awesome. 
Definitely. This is one of the reasons that I wanted to have a really comprehensive astrological section in transitory nature is because it, I know astrology can get super techie and all about the degrees and how this placement interacts with another placement. And here's the degrees of opposition between A and B. And this creates da, 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 da for you. I think one thing in the long run that I've decided to do a lot of self-study with it, as opposed to go see lots and lots of astrologers is because when we keep something in that technical realm, we don't give access to lots and lots of people to understand themselves through their own lens. I have I've had multiple people come into my connected spirit space that say a previous astrologer told me, A, can you look in my chart for it? And can you tell me what you think? And I just crumble inside because that person has then implanted this seed into their meta again, way out of the realm of personal creativity or personal agency. They took someone else's view of themselves for that 30 minute reading or hour reading. And now it's been a part of their life for X amount of years. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to write a really accessible guide where you could dig in yourself and you could come up with your own Mukti code. Those are my words, like the code that sets you free. Mm -hmm. So to clarify, because I've heard this too in so many different, um, you know, what I now see is kind of just like superficial astrological things where it's um, kind of this idea that your signature, your life is, is there's a uh, predisposed destiny that you're going to live out because you were born at this time in this place. Mm -hmm. And and like you're saying, that's so confining and limiting. Definitely. And, you know, in regards to creativity, I can't think of anything more stifling. A hundred percent. Right. Your, your destiny is, is already prophesized and that's, what's going to happen and you can't do anything about it. That's mm -hmm. just, that's just going to be further from the truth. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really detrimental sort of self-abusive way to view yourself. And I think the adaptability of human consciousness, which is ultimately creativity. Yeah. So how do you how do you take these lessons and, and this intel that you can gain from your astrological signature without letting it sort of color your whole life and pigeonhole you? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's actually far easier than most people make it seem that makes sense because, you know, you're always recycling and regenerating on a physical level. And I think that our mind can do that too. If our physical body can do it, then obviously our mind can do it. So we really need to keep up with the rate of change. Yeah. Yeah. I think this kind of goes along really well with uh, the misperception of karma, mm -hmm. right? And, and your karma is also uh, predicting what's going to happen for the rest of your life. And you touch on that in chapter eight as well, right? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, divinity is us and in everything, it's not disseminated through authority. And so if you flip that switch, you really start to understand how much power you have over transmuting your own karma. Mm. And it that doesn't mean go self will trigger happy. And I address that in the book as well bouncing between the edges of the binaries. This isn't, I'm not all for you create your own reality kind of situation. I think that you have to have a humility and understand the systems that you're interfacing with and then how you can adjust your perspective based on what you have choice around. Mm, okay. So have you used your natal chart to work through your karma as well? Definitely. That's the whole layout of chapter eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Unlocking your Mukti code, understanding karma through astrology. Very cool. Yeah. And that's honestly what I do a lot in my one-on-one work. So chapter eight was very fun for me to write. And I think it's very applicable in the long run if you have a little information about your chart or a lot of information about your chart. Yeah. And what's important to me with Mercurian Meta is that I'm giving people access to evolve this over time, their understanding of their own placements, and they have access to evolve that. Yeah, awesome. So what what's the structure of Mercurian Meta? So it's a three-day retreat on running creativity where we look at Virgo and Gemini energy. Okay. And specific to you in what's your Mercury placement and where are those signs in your houses? Yeah. So we chatted a little bit about Mercury placement. Um, mm-hmm. Can you chat a little bit about Virgo and why that's significant here? Yeah, definitely. In its most elevated capacity, it's the universal metaphysics organizer. It's the energy organizer of the universe. I think that it can be very utilitarian, which I sometimes think it's a really bad rap right now out in our sort of instant gratification, more, 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 more is better kind of culture. But when you're dealing with creativity, you have to be extremely utilitarian because you have to make so much space for it to express. And so that means other parts of your life have to be buttoned up, moved aside, dealt with, organized so that there's this like space in the middle of the room almost so newness can enter. Yeah, totally. So I want to teach people how to do that with their Virgo placements. How, how do they specifically do that? through the belly, through the heart, through their thoughts, through their physical space, through their partnerships, through word, through dance. It's all right there in the chart. Yeah, that's awesome. Aside from chart, like, you know, what, what do you see as kind of the biggest roadblocks for people accessing these levels of creativity that, you know, might just be inherently human? Well, I 100% think it's inherently human. Yeah. In, in the book, Kerr, I define karma, the root means to create, to act, to be constantly acting, to be constantly acting, you know, sets dominoes in motion all mm-hmm. around you all the time, every thought, every breath, every action. So I think the biggest barrier is one time poverty, which just drives me effing bananas. You say time poverty? Yes. When, uh, when people think they don't have time, like I just want to just grab their upper arms and go, oh, let's just shift that. You can do that. You're going to have to say no to a few things. You're going to have to have a little bit more (laughs) self-respect. You're going to have to take the ego hit when you say no, right? But if your deepest yearning is to create, then you can't keep saying that you don't have any time. Mm -hmm. Like what a paradox, what a paradoxical reality that you're constantly fighting against all the time. Yeah. Pun intended. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe this is, isn't just another um, sort of detrimental ripple from social media of people seeing other people creating out in the world and thinking that they can maintain their uh, over-hustle lifestyle and add that onto the plate too. Definitely. And then when they see that over-hustle lifestyle just completely deteriorating, nothing being creative or created rather, then it's really easy to just say, oh, shit, I guess I'm just not a creative person. Yeah, that could be the loop. I think that's the loop for some people. Maybe some. Yeah. 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 So what kind of what kind of things? Um, you know, obviously you're looking at the chart in Mercurian Meta. Mm-hmm. You know, I see my chart. Right, I'm looking at it. What do I do with it? Yeah. So that's the process of the three days. So we're meeting every evening so that they can understand where those placements are in their chart. 
how it's relevant for them, and then lots of writing throughout the weekend, lots of sadhana, lots of practice. And I specifically picked pretty heady, heavy hitting prompts that are to, I wouldn't say remove emotional stimulus, but to get more objectivity on what's coloring your perception. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I think that it's really relevant and I see so many workshops in the yoga space or design space or the art space about be creative, be an entrepreneur, start your own business, like all of this stuff. And it's just, sometimes it just sort of um, breaks my heart almost Mm -hmm. because there's a card in the sister body deck called private dignity when we have to understand our own inner process and we don't need anyone else to see it. And sometimes we're not ready to put our inner process out into the world. And if we do that prematurely in a forceful way to get profit from it, like, are we actually doing good things for ourselves and other people out in the world? My hunch is not so much. And we're sort of on the hamster wheel. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally see that. Um, you know, up until about three years ago, I would say I was a person who didn't necessarily put much stock in astrology. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during the 500 hour program, um, we really started to look into my chart and sort of the implications of, you know, daily everything. And I kind of started to see that, oh, wow, there actually is an influence here. And there's a lot of intel that I can use from this to um, sort of better educate myself on future decisions things to say yes to, more importantly, things to say no to, um, people that I can work with, people that I can't work with. Uh, and through that year, um, I, I can definitely say that I established a respect and appreciation for astrology. And I think that it, it's, it's, it's very much a science that I think socially and throughout our civilizations, we need to adopt because there's so much information in there that I think could lead to happier, healthier lives for people. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. I mean, it sort of sucked me in. It was definitely my next body of study post yoga and Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Why do you think there is such a sort of aversion or lack of respect and just dismissal uh, yeah, on I mean, most people's parts in regards to astrology. Yeah, that's hard for me to answer because I'm so in a specific niche. Sure. You know, and I I have to call that out and be honest about that. Um, I can take the question in a slightly different direction, which is I've seen just so much surface level stuff out there about what's going on with the new moon and the full moon. And, and it's all knowledge dissemination, not exploration not uh, Socratic questioning. So it doesn't really build power. It kind of increases victimhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think that's coming from like a lack of understanding in astrology, but people are just trying to flex and post shit because everyone else is? I mean, I think that we have to be really careful on social media because that's about 100% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And so for me, I've sought out so many other resources that aren't on the internet and aren't on social media to do this work. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram probably isn't your best source of research. I mean, it's tough to watch. I was just chatting with my astrologer friend the other day about this, you know, kind of having like a funny little text chat. And uh, 
you know, I think the same thing goes for yoga and meditation and mindfulness. You know, when it hits a certain critical mass, it loses its potency. And that doesn't mean that we need to turn away from it or be upset about it or fight back against that system. It's literally a a quiet reclaiming that happens where you're creating a different kind of potency in lots of different spaces around those ideas. Mm. Yeah. Good point. Are there any, um, uh, significant astrological events coming up that would be cool to pay attention to? Yeah. I mean, we're in Mercury retrograde right now, Mm -hmm. right? So that's one of the reasons that I wanted to put Mercury and meta inside this second Mercury retrograde this year. Um, We have another Mercury retrograde coming up in September through October. So September 27th through October 18th, and that's in Libra, right? We're retrograde in Gemini right now. So both wind signs. So if it's been kooky right now, you know, Libra is a little more windy than Gemini. (laughs) Like it would be a great time to really reflect on what's dragging your consciousness all over the map and then how to sort of fortify it as you enter the end of September. Mm Mm-hmm. So I know this is your personal creative process and everyone's creative process looks different. Mm -hmm. But for you personally, do you sort of look at the astrological forecast and sort of kind of like plan out your week or your month or even your year? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I look at the chart, look at ephemeris every day. So I understand where the placements are and how I'm feeling. And that has been a self-study thing for me for the last four years. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, I do look at long-term transits 100%. Like we're in mid-eclipse season right now, so I'm not in a rush to really manifest anything out in the world at all. I'm sort of actually pulling all my energy back and saying, you know, what do I want to be doing in 24 months? How do I organize myself to get there today? What do I want to be doing in 24 months? And that's more time in the garden. That's building our own house. Mm -hmm. You know, that's more time in nature. That's more time writing. That's more time meditating. That's more slow mornings. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of actually in a rush. Ha ha ha. To get that done now. (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's really something that you're revisiting and uh, evaluating every day. Every day. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of my mindfulness practice and my meditative practice. I think they are amazing supports of one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you see that as, um, you know, it's obviously necessary for you in your process. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's universally necessary? I think it depends on the person. Mm -hmm. I have uh, this Connect student right now who's in session with me. When we take like everything personally, we think everything's stemming from us. Oh, I created that. This is such a problem. Like it's, it turns into this sort of self-abuse narrative. And I think it's helpful to go 50% me, 50% astrological atmosphere well why don't I go figure out which 50 50 and how can I objectively take responsibility for my 50 yeah I I think it's awesome you brought that point up because how easy would it be to spiritually bypass through astrology I mean it is really easy it's really easy to spiritually bypass through any of the traditions sure yeah sure or to get spiritually materialistic through spirit or through astrology Yes, yes. And that is a great point. And I think that's what breaks my heart at large a lot to see because it's like, I want to manifest during the new moon and, you know, I'm bringing a new online program into the world or something like that. And I'm not demonizing that. That can be an expression of what you're bringing into the world, but it can't be the totality of what you're bringing into the world. Mm -hmm. Hence the 
limitation of creativity. We just created a glass ceiling for ourselves. Yeah. And, and kind of the, the true driving force we're bringing that into the world with. Is it to help people or is it for financial gain? Yeah, and I don't think those things are opposed. And this is what's tricky in the narrative because I don't think they're opposed even though we do pit them against each other neurolinguistically, mm-hmm. right? And only really you and the people in your immediate community, North Node Gemini right now, really can feel the ripple effects if that's going hand in hand, if there's authentic- authenticity there. Yeah. Yeah, you can't necessarily demonize the success of something. No, of course not. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So what, um, say I took this weekend, what am I leaving with? Well, I was hoping that people will leave with three pieces of writing that they feel are in their authentic voice, like coming through their point of view and specifically their point of view. And I think that that will be very interesting because there's a lot of self-editing in understanding your point of view. And so I've written these multi-layer prompts to sort of get them to understand how to not self-censor, but how to clarify, Mm. which is a really big difference in the spoken word or written word process. Yeah, that's a super fine line, especially now where, you know, a lot of people are afraid to say what they really think. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that that's an inherent risk of stepping into your authentic voice. And if you actually want to step into your authentic voice, it's a risk you're willing to take, right? So how do I bridge the gap and teach people how to organize their creative energy to not self-censor, but to edit for clarity and take on that risk? Yeah, wow. I mean, you're going to stub your toe. Yeah, of course. You're going to stub your toe. Yeah. But that's the fear of failure there, especially now, you know, in the height of or hopefully we're on the back end of it. I don't really know, but height of cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like what a skill to, to work on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's definitely prerequisites and consciousness structures that you can build into your meta. And I think they particularly are related to Virgo and Gemini so that you understand how to circulate energy quickly, take in information. Oh shit. That person is just like super unhappy with what I just said, how to use it effectively in your system, but how to not wear it as the totality of your work and its effect out in the world. Yeah. Is, is there anything besides Mercury, Virgo and Gemini to uh, pay attention to in terms of your creative process? Yes, it's much, much more expansive than that. I think that those are the two most tactful, grounded, under, understandable to our current consciousness of how to enter the door. Yeah, there's like Uranus and Neptune, Mukti code or different placements than I'm suggesting. So chapter mm-hmm. eight, I bring forth five other placements that are very important and how to work through those in your own inner meta before you get on the internet and look it up. I specifically lay it out that way in the book. So you're building your own personal reservoir of data. Mm-hmm. So in, in chapter eight, you also um, introduce the uh, self-improvement myth. Mm-hmm. You know, as we we're discussing all this, uh, well, first let me let you describe the self-improvement myth in your own words. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because it came to be on just this video chat with one of my editors and one of them said self-improvement and and I said, oh my God, I'm not into it. You know, and then we all started laughing 
And we're like, oh, well, that's the third myth of this chapter. <laughs> so why, why are you not into self-improvement? I think that we can grow, but the object isn't to get better. It's just, it's not to like master everything, right? We have to understand where we have access to elevation, where we have access to personal growth, where we have access to success and introspection in our chart, but it's not everywhere and nor should it be everywhere because there's billions of other people on the planet that have different access than I have, mm -hmm. right? So self-improvement is this sort of funny guideline of really just like self-pressure almost that I need to be amazing at A, B, C, and D. And that really turns into this narrative of self-hatred at times where we never learn our unique skill set that actually produces creativity. That's why we mimic because we never learn our innate skill set because we're always chasing the self-improvement carrot. I think it even says the cosmic carrot of self-improvement. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that you shouldn't work on bettering yourself. You're saying that it's when you put yourself in the vice and squeeze, 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 I have to be perfect. That's the issue. <sighs> or could you clarify that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I still think that's really linear. You know, it's not that we need to better ourselves. We need to understand who we are and what our karmic imprint is. The skills are there. The shortcomings are there. There isn't this idea of like getting rid of all of our shortcomings. If we didn't have those shortcomings, we wouldn't be humble to someone else's strengths. And that's how relationship happens. That's how true, creative, authentic relationship happens. I suck at this. I might not ever get better at this. I'm 100% honest that I suck at this. I'm not fronting. I'm not telling you I'm an expert. You know, I'm seeking information from someone who's an expert. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that that's how humility happens. We, we, we need to understand what we don't have access to. There's nothing wrong there that we can like pull ourselves up from our bootstraps in a place where we need to be humble. Mm -hmm. So this wouldn't necessarily apply to like the gross physical like diet or would it? Extrapolate on the question. So I see where you're coming from. Well, I, I don't see there being an issue with an individual wanting to improve their diet okay. you know, or their gut biome or something like this and like eat better. Okay. Yes. I don't disagree with that, but here's where you hit the glass ceiling. If it's bettering me and me only. Right. And then we have a real issue of now we're sort of creating violence in a big, big area, but we can't diminish the self so much that now we're being violent to the self. You know, and that's, I think, what the astrological signature helps you do. You know, it helps you bounce between those dualities. The whole uh, zodiac is set up in polarities, hence the reason non-binary, non-dualistic. I'm so obsessed with it because mm -hmm. I think there's a middle point in that question. Yes, obviously you can have a better gut biome, but I think bigger questions that we forget in the self-improvement myth is why is my biome so awful? What are the environmental implications what are the interconnected, interdependent issues that I'm ignoring and I'm just on the self-betterment tip? I see. Okay. So taking kind of a, a, a larger step back, broader strokes view of, you know, the quote unquote issue at hand rather than just, I need more probiotics, period. Yes. And even beyond that, I wrote this book for future iterations of consciousness 
And so this is not to demonize. I, the self-improvement trajectory has helped me a lot. And then what is my next question? And that's why I wrote this book. Awesome. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Mm -hmm. I helped myself. Now what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's just not a lot of conversations around that. So I know that in some parts in the book, I can sound a little bit snarky. My teeth are out and I'm just going for the jugular, Mm -hmm. you know, like going for it. And I wanted to have that tone because there needs to be a little bit of like, and now what? Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I mean, it's, it's a very motivating book. Good. You you can't, you can't read it and, and not at least ask a question of yourself at right. the very, very least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an Aries. It's an Aries? The book is an Aries, yeah. What does that mean? Super powerful, cardinal energy. You know, I needed it to piss some people off. I needed it to piss me off. Mm-hmm. Like, I needed it to rile emotion and spark a new identity structure. So you're saying that you actually published the book giving it a birth date in an astrological signature. Correct. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And and you chose Aries. Yes. That was the that was the one above all other signs? Yeah, well, it's like a Pisces uh Aries cusp, but it really like its pub date is in Aries season. That's yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So exiting the most spiritually evolved sign into the most like baby energy of initiation. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Do you have any idea of book two when you would publish that? Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> Scorpio. Scorpio. Oh, How come? Yeah. You hear, and let me just go off on a uh, side note. Um, Scorpio is often demonized and criticized. And Yeah. Uh, what's up with that? I mean, if we look at sex energy in our culture at large, it's just so dehumanized <laughs> sex energy would that be synonymous with creativity yeah creativity um pranic intensity uh the duality the gender binary mm-hmm. right just the gender binary alone is such an example of how we don't understand sex energy okay. at large um i would definitely so dan and i are writing the second book together and definitely would want that to be a Scorpio so that it it has some sting out in the world and that it's looking at all things occult, right? All things evolved, like a totally different evolved consciousness. So transitory nature is the steps to get there. You know, I think that the next book is going to really be like, okay, we're here and now's what, here's what we're up to. Nice. Yeah. Pre-order start. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, it's in its baby phases for sure. Baby, baby. Mm-hmm. Cool. So it's going to be a Scorpio baby, huh? I mean, that would be awesome. Sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So just uh, say someone has some like big things coming up in their life. Is there a certain thing that they should look for in their chart or wait for a certain time or get out of retrograde or? Yeah, I mean, I probably can't answer that blanket statement. You know, I think hang on till November. And I mean, hang on in a way where you're not like just taking the hits from life and, oh, it's okay, I'll get through it. You know, hang on in a way of like, oh, wow, like the upgrades are coming and it's really beautifully intense and I actually need to meet them 
and I need to make some tough decisions in my inner body to meet them. So I'm not doing the same thing in the clip season of 2022, 2024. Okay. Yeah. So learn now, remember, apply next time it comes around. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I think my previous question kind of trended into the uh, like horoscopy kind of space. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how do you differentiate astrology and, and like horoscopes and kind of those? Yeah, I mean, technically they're from the same mother, but we have so much complexity in our astrological signature that many different parts of your chart could be interacting with the initiation of Taurus season, you know, so... I definitely read them with more than a grain of salt. Yeah. And don't find them super applicable. Right. Yeah. Yeah, some of them are kind of goofy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to, one, if you are interested in that, have your chart with you. Mm. Don't just take someone else's information and their interpretation because it's all coming through our subconscious understanding of what we see out in the world and how to apply these planetary movements. So with that being said, right, if you're interested, like really get interested, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. With your own chart and your own uniqueness. Yeah. So I think we might have some people listening to this interested in these things. Mm -hmm. Where can they find out more? Yeah. I mean, suehunt.com is amazing. Uh, Mercurian Meta this weekend is awesome. It's probably... You can join in the next like three hours if you feel like it. <laughs> um, I ephemeris, Google ephemeris and start understanding where you like getting those resources from. My teacher is amazing. I love her. Paramama Siri Sadna. Where can you find her? Um, Paramama Siri Sadna.com. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, Profeta, you know, it, I'm Instagram, Suhan underscore. I don't talk about astrology too much on IG, I think you can join people's newsletters, both my editors, Bess Matassa and Ruby Warrington, both astrologers, talk about it in their newsletters all the time. That's the Numinous newsletter. Yeah. And uh, Bess has an astrology podcast. We can link in the show notes. I mean, you want to find trusted resources. You don't want to find it on your scroll. You know, you yeah. want to look at your chart, figure out how to find it, figure out how to apply it to information that's coming in your direction. And now we're actually building some integrity in the space. Okay, cool. And do you do any one-on-one -on work with... Uh... Yeah, totally, totally. So new to Sue, if you don't know me and you don't study with me, um, I honor my long-term students and that's continued study with Sue, right? And the natal chart is a portion of that. Not not all of it, but a good portion of it. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, there's, there's clearly a ton to unpack in this space. And I think we'll have more conversations... Um, in this vein. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, is there anything else you'd like to add? No. Question on the interview, Pooh. <laughs> I, I, I mean, those are honest questions. I'm like trying to figure this out too. Yeah, I know, I know. It's been very, very influential for us in terms of our partnership as well and crossing charts. And I keep both our oh, charts God. like accessible all the time. Yeah, that's that's bailed us out of a few jams, I think. Yeah. And we look at it together and it's also amazing to look at the parallels together and the placements that we share. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then how to really exalt those placements and support each other with those placements because we're already sort of trending towards, um, real like growth and, uh, self-understanding in those areas anyways. And we share some of those placements. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you, would you do like a partner reading for people? Yeah, totally. 
Yeah, I love doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I like it when both partners are present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I do uh, readings for parents and their children, you know, and if their children are old enough to actually be in the session, you know, and can understand what's going on, then I love it when the parent and the child is there as well. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's helped with my relational life so much and understanding when to yield and when to be powerful. And so it's really helpful in the parenting space too. Wow, what an understanding to have. Mm -hmm. And it's cool too to watch some of my students' younger children like step into these aspects of themselves and their social life like on the playground. I mean, I've read charts as young as nine years old for mom and daughter. Yeah. And had direct conversations with the nine-year-old. I mean, it's amazing. I love watching it happen. We're just like, yeah, I can do that. Mm -hmm. I'm already doing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's really cool because then it's in her language, not her mom's language and not my language. Yeah, it's hers. Yeah, it's hers. It's her understanding. It's her words. It's cool. Mm -hmm. Well, just side note, in the last couple of years, watching you develop this skill and cultivate this ability to not only read the daily signatures, but then apply them to your life, I think is pretty cool. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for you for that. So mm. proud of you, Sue. Yeah. Thanks, Boo. I really appreciate it. And you've been so supportive with it. And just as you heard him say, right, like Dan was not into it. We've been together for five years now. You know, I think that's also important to understand. We touched a little bit on the conscious partnership relationship, like change your life. And then whoop, mm-hmm. it's a ripple effect. Yeah. Just side note, if there's if there's any men listening to this, paying attention to astrology doesn't make you less of a man. Just saying that. A lot of people, a lot of guys I talk to, it's it's like, oh, that's a girl thing. Yeah, I, we've the, dealt with that together. That's a girls with bangs kind yeah. of thing. That's not that's not for me, <laughs> but it is. It's for it's for everyone. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's really important to know what voices you resonate with, and that you don't just sort of throw it all out the window if there's one voice that you don't resonate with. Like there are hundreds of thousands of astrologers across the globe that speak in totally different languages. And so you want to give yourself access just like they're opening doors to their community and people that resonate with them. Yeah, very cool. Mm -hmm. So Awesome. So in the next three hours, if someone wants to sign up for Mercury (laughs) Meta, where would they do that? Uh, Suhunt.com, group virtual workshops. Very cool. Well, uh, I think that's a good stopping point for this week. Yeah, sounds great. Sounds great. Um, Thanks, everyone, for being here. Um, If you liked this conversation, hit us up, let us know. Uh, We can revisit this topic for sure and dig in deep, deep, deep. Mm -hmm. Uh, But otherwise, we will be back next week. Bye. listening to the Live Lightly podcast. If you loved this episode, please download and subscribe. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear from you and your main takeaways from this episode. Tag us on Instagram and Facebook at LiveLightly underscore. We will then reshare your takeaways and insights. We love bringing you these in-depth conversations. Please remember the suggestions of our guests and hosts are for informational purposes only and should not be taken as actionable advice. This podcast is a resource for general information and education only. Live Lightly is not liable for your decisions to implement information from this podcast.